And welcome to another episode of Two Medics and One Mike. Your presenters are Imran Lasker and Thrusha Gudwatna. So hello and welcome to another podcast. My name is Dr. Lasker. I'm a consultant radiologist and this is a very, very special episode. We actually have a bit of audio from medic underscore Russell at medical underscore Russell, not the boiler man. Uh, we've got a bit of a voice note from him and we're going to talk to him. I mean, kind of respond to that a little bit later. And we have something very, very special for our true fans out there. So if you do stick around to the very end, we will uh, talk about uh, that. And hi, I'm Tharusha. I'm a cardiology registrar with a special interest in intervention. This intervention just keeps going, doesn't it, Tharusha? Have you noticed it's, you know, people are tweeting at you, messaging you, putting photos up. I even memed you. Did you see yeah. that? I memed you this week. Yeah. Uh, just, to, just to tell you. Your intervention, yeah, it, that's what it is. It's, it's cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I was thinking of making it into my Twitter background and replacing the pictures of my children and I thought better of it actually I thought maybe that might create I don't know <laughs> my look bad. you chose well I mean, it's, it's symbolic you chose intervention over your children isn't it that's yeah. is that the ultimate to... choice oh god <laughs> don't put me in that, don't put me in that. <laughs> oh dear yeah it does make me wonder though like you know um there's a whole idea of like have you ever heard of that thing called the secret the secret there's a book called the secret oh yes I've read that I've read that have well, you read it yeah, what did yeah, you yeah. think yeah um, what did you think I mean, isn't there, there's also, isn't there a video as well, the Oprah? Yeah, I saw the video. I haven't seen, I haven't read the book. Oh. Honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, what did you think? Uh, well, it's not a great secret, isn't it? Isn't it basically like you just have to imagine stuff, you just visualise it and then it will happen. The you know, a lot of these self-help books are like that, yeah, where there's like, literally, you could probably just make it one paragraph, and but they, they managed to spend the entire book going on about it. But at the same time, I did think it was not entirely untrue and that you can really sort of focus your attention. If you keep thinking that you're going to be something, you're more likely to become that thing. You know, that, I think that's a given. The bit where it lost me in the, in the movie, or the video anyway, is when someone is claiming they cure themselves of cancer by just thinking it. And I oh, thought, wow. I really glossed nah, over that but, bit. Well, yeah, basically, mm. guys out there, I mean, you don't need to read the book. You just have to just mm. imagine stuff. Didn't they have this thing where they had like a picture of like the house that they wanted to own and then they just stare yes, at it every day? that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I don't think it's completely, you know, crazy because like, let's say you want to become like the biggest man in the gym, you know, or the biggest person in the gym or the healthiest person. Like, if you really focus your attention on that, you're probably more likely to be... Uh, amenable and open to the you know healthy suggestions and someone who's healthy and tell you something healthy and stuff like that you know like I don't think it's completely balmy it's just that when someone talks about dealing with their healthcare by thinking it away uh, that's when it starts to get a little bit weird but you know quite, um, is it, uh, that McGregor guy you know he apparently he's quite a believer in, oh, in the secret Conor yeah, McGregor that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you're right. Actually, and I think one of the things uh, he's—I could talk about this guy for ages, actually, because you're mm. right. What he did was he cultivated an air about himself, and mm. at the time there was this guy called Jose Aldo who was just—he mm. was just going around just smashing everyone. He had this famous fight where he absolutely annihilated this other dude called Uriah Faber. He had um, mm. so um, Jose Aldo has like uh, had these kind of football type kicks uh, which would just smash mm. up people's shins, and then Conor McGregor basically you could see it like he just uh, trash talked the hell out of this guy you could tell and you know when they talk about getting into people's heads and stuff like uh, mm, I'm always mm. like oh you know like the psychology I always think that's a bit kind of sounds a bit rubbish but he mm. you could see that he did because like I remember at the beginning of the fight he just kind of like walked up to McGregor in this way he just looked really funny and then mm. McGregor just messed him up it was just so weird he like cultivated this air of invincibility and it's mm. only when he came across uh, nate diaz who's just you know from the not, i don't know from the streets of compton and <laughs> it beat him up and then people were like whoa yeah. mcgregor's be and like he just managed to pierce that arm oh my god i could talk about this for ages actually you know should we talk, we should talk about medic stuff yeah i know you're really into mma uh, yeah. but um yeah i mean yeah it's um i don't know but I mean, can you relate to that on some level though like i i definitely felt as though when i was going through med school i was being told or even kind of going through you know, like I said before, people were saying that, you know, I had my education supervisor, my TPD saying that, you know, maybe it isn't for you and all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, I don't care what you think. This is going to happen. I, it doesn't matter. If this is going to happen, I'm going to find a way to make it happen. Even if the worst happens, I'll find a way back. And I think that really kind of threw them off a bit. And it did happen in the end. And I think mentality has got a lot to do with it. Was that just me being um, wishful thinking or just looking back with rose-tinted rose glasses? Well, whatever it was, it worked, didn't it? But I mean, there is that problem mm, that people true. have where there are, unfortunately, there are people in spaces that feel imposter syndrome that shouldn't. And there are people that should mm. feel imposter syndrome that don't. 
Yeah, that's true. That and is true. That's that is the pro- true. that's the problem. And um, if you look at the kind, of, often that's because again, you know, I've t- I talk about this all the time, don't I? About how mm. we look to people who look like us and act like us, and um, mm. a lot of those, a lot of the kind of that sentiment and the feeling is kind of coded and hidden and difficult mm. to articulate. And the mm. only way that we're going to break that is by um, opening our minds to to different people and different experiences. And those people mm. who are telling you that couldn't do it, well, what did they know? You proved them wrong. Well done, mate. Well, I mean, the problem is like now I wonder where there's experience bias, isn't it? Like, you know, my experience of things was that I pushed and pushed and pushed and, you know, I, other people had the same experience, but, you know, like maybe maybe it's experience bias. Now I can look back and say that it worked, but maybe maybe it doesn't work for other people. But I do think um, having that mentality is a really, really important part of the game. So do you think you'd have achieved even more if you were given a gold star then? You're talking about that tweet, aren't you? The uh, the tweet that we noticed, yeah, what, what, it was um, a consultant who is giving their junior doctors gold stars to show how much they achieved. But you know what upset me about that? Is that even, like, what was the prize? I think I'm probably goal-driven, right? And if you just tell me you're going to, like, accumulate gold stars, I'm like, well, you know, unless there's something at the end of the gold stars, at the end of the, the rainbow, then I don't see what the point is. And I, I would have given up. I forget your gold stars. I mean, that's not fair, instead. actually. I mean, like, Lily, when she was, when we were getting her out of nappies at bedtime, we told her that, like, if mm-hmm. you didn't wet the bed, you'd get a, you'd get a little star. So uh, <laughs> she's, she's four. But, but this is the thing. Yeah, exactly. You're talking about four-year-old versus 20-something-year-old yeah. people. Same. You know, like, is at that, that age. Value? Yeah, well, you know, I think with my child, we were just giving her <laughs> stickers and putting it into a yeah. book. And she did something good with stick. And the thing is, I kept, I kept, I felt like saying to her, listen, this is pointless. You're getting a sticker and putting it into a book. Like, what is the point? But I didn't want to spoil the game because it also made it mean that she would actually do stuff. But um, I don't know, man. Like, exactly. As, I guess as you get older, you, you expect a little bit more than like gold stars. But do you not feel the happen. same? I feel like uh, you had a different sentiment about Greatix. You liked that more. What was the difference then? I did like Greatix. Well, you know what? I think the thing. So you know, yeah, there was that consultant who was giving gold stars to people. But then I saw someone tweet something called Greatix, and the reason why I liked Greatix was more because of the negative connotations of a Daytex. Because Daytexes are really meant to sort of help you highlight a problem and then deal with the problem, and you know maybe think about better ways to you know make sure that something bad doesn't happen. But what really happens. It's a way to get back each other, isn't it? You know, like, oh, you know what? I'm going to Daytex you. Uh, I mean, have you ever set a Daytex yeah. in? I mean, have you yes. ever done one of these things? Because I've done a few. Yeah, oh, go on then. Well, mine was. Yeah, go on. Oh, God. So, oh, should I say? Uh, so, like, it was so mental. So, basically, uh, well, uh, a lot of, well, some people will know that when you have an aortic dissection, uh, time is critical, right? And, like, I think it's like mm. for every hour that goes by, your mortality goes up by 10%. And I had a lady who, it's standard stuff, man, like they come in with chest pain, and it was like, oh, uh, troponin's like 15, must be ACS. And then um, my colleague did an echo, <laughs> and it showed like she had, she had a massive flap, and she had a, she had an ascending uh, type A um, aortic dissection. And so she had a CT tooth suite and it showed a dissection, right? So then I called up uh, the surgical mm. center because I was in a lowly DGH and uh, they were like, oh, sure, okay, sure, 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 sure. Send the images across. And the, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, radiologist already ha- uh, radiographer already has. And they're like, oh, we haven't received them, mm. you need to send them again. And basically, there was this back and forth where I'd go to the radiographer, press this send thing, or it impacts this and packs that and and mm. stuff. But it wasn't mm. happening. IEP just wasn't <laughs> happening, mate. Like, they weren't getting it on that side. And then yeah. I was like, it's Not bonkers, it's bonkers. And literally, like, one hour passed, two hours passed. And it got to a point where I was just getting desperate. I was like, why don't we make a CD? And I'll put it into a taxi and send it to you. That's how ridiculous it started to get, right? And to a mm. point where, and mm. then where finally, when we, when I did that, I actually did that. Uh, they were like, oh, we, we don't have any ITU beds now, so we can't take the patient. And then I was like, this is bonkers. Oh this is bonkers. Um, and oh so then I ended up sending her to... Um, because mm. like, don't be so ridiculous. You don't need to have the images like at the same time as her. Why don't you put the, give her give her the CD and send her in an ambulance to us? And I was like, mm. thank you for being reasonable. Mm. And so this lady with periodic dissection, mm. about six hours later, got trans is ridiculous. It's a bit of a situation. Where computer says no. Computer says no. I'm not going to think about about it. A computer says no. I'm sorry. I'm not interested. Well, I think there's also the problem. Though I mean, yes, there is that. I mean, you can blame the technology, but also there was a problem with the obtuseness of the other side, where they were like, well. Well, no, I wasn't about the computer saying oh, no, I'm talking about the human yeah, yeah, saying correct. no. They're just going protocol. Yeah, exactly like, no, that. No, no, It's like, yeah, we haven't got the images. I'm sorry, we can't help. It's like, hello, yeah. And I don't want to be the person who says it, but 
there was there was a patient at the center of that and you know meanwhile mm. like it just seemed I mean, she was fine in the end but it could have yeah, yeah but it could equally have not been fine and they were just like no and they were just mm. offering nothing they were just like oh yeah we haven't received it I'm like, oh mate I... you, you might have just had to draw it out for them but look here's a drawing my artist's <laughs> yeah. impression of the, <laughs> the dissection just so you just it, take this it person been please have you seen me you try know? to draw try to draw hands i can't, can't draw hands like i tried to draw the i uh, no, i think you might have to put that in your next newsletter i'd love to see you attempt oh, to yeah, draw yeah. a hand well, anything anatomical, yeah. that might but, be fun. But anyway, so like, um, so basically what yeah. you're saying about going back to the Gratex versus Datex is that because there's such negative mm. connotations of the Datex, therefore the Gratex great mm. by comparison is actually really lovely. So therefore, every mm. time someone, I don't know, doesn't put a continuation sheet, so like, you know, if they write to the bottom of the continuation sheet and doesn't put a fresh one in, or say, for example, if they don't <laughs> write in the drug, if they, in the drug history they write C drug chart, those people, what we should do is give them like black stars to say they're like, you know, this is really bad. So then if you give them a gold star, they're like, oh, a gold star. Marvellous. Is that what we should do? Man, you brought, literally, you saying that has literally brought back <laughs> so many memories. Like, I haven't even thought of a continuation sheet in a decade. I just haven't thought of it. I remember we had this patient who came in to uh, have an ultrasound and they had they had chest pain, you know. And I'm, I, I, they called me, you know, Imran, can you come and have a look at this patient? And I looked at them and they didn't look all that well. And I thought, well, we're in radiology. Let's take them to A&E. So I, I actually, I, I think I actually physically pushed them myself. <laughs> because I don't want to faff about yeah I know I know I'm such a nice guy so I pushed him across and then um, I got to a and &E and I said listen you know I need to speak to someone this patient's got a, a, you know, chest pain what should I do and they said okay yeah we can uh, admit them but do you mind clocking them in I said, excuse me and they said could you mind clocking them in I was like Wow, yeah, man. I was like, ST3s. I haven't seen, I haven't done a clocking in years. <laughs> what yeah, go on then, go on then, go on then. Give me the piece of paper. Do you, do yeah, I, and I was like, oh, let's try and remember what <laughs> I'm going to do. Do you take out your stethoscope and like, you know, get an old scroll and like blow off the dust? Like, <laughs> no, it was, it was the worst. I genuinely feel is that anyone who read that clocking must have thought, what <laughs> earth is going on? Because first of all, I didn't have a pen. I don't need a pen, so I had to borrow no, a pen from someone. I think I might. I think I might have taken it from the patient themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I literally said, okay, I probably shouldn't introduce myself. Uh, radiology, registrar, I guess I'm ST3, ST3, shall I write my whole name? Yeah, all right. So, and oh it was just God. the worst, worst, I could tell, was, I knew that they were going to look and I think, what a plonker came down. But they, they forced my hand, they said, well, you know. You Literally forced your hand to write, yeah. Yeah, exactly, I don't do that. I normally talk to Dictaphone, mm. as you know, as you know. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I just think that Datex is, I, I get really sick of them, and thankfully I haven't been on the recipient of many, and uh. I have given out the odd couple. Um, but um, it's just, uh, I just feel like these days, uh, it's more of a like, I'm going to get you. As in, they're going to get you by making you write lots and lots of stuff. That's what it is, isn't it? It's just, it's a silly, it's a silly little game these days that Datex yeah. has become. Yeah, anyway, something that I reckon probably should be Datex, Tarusha, uh, a certain thread that popped up on, on, on our favorite website called Reddit. Did you oh, see that? Yeah. Um, yeah, did you see that? It, it popped up and I thought, it can't oh, be true, can't it? Be true. But then we had that, but we had that conversation last week and I thought, actually, well, we did have that conversation last week where, where a whole lot of things that I thought couldn't be true, like, you know, non-facial yeah. images um, yeah. being exchanged. Yeah. Happened. So I was like, well, I guess that's possible yeah. then. The Reddit thread was someone who had written that they're a junior doctor who had slept with an educational supervisor. Mate, that was that's oh, not even the best bit. Works. You missed the best bit. The best bit was like, and, the, and it was like, she did things with me that I've only seen on the internet or something like that. I was like, oh. oh my God. Well, it depends on what part of the internet you are. You know, like, like, oh. These days, like, I've got Peppa Pig. Mate, like, but I mean, like, that's some, that's some education right there. I mean, it was just, it couldn't, it can't be real, surely. Like, who talks like that? Yeah, I don't, I, but that's the thing. Like, um, yeah, but what what is the purpose of making something like that? Because do they come back to, oh, awesome, I've got a thread that's gone really big, but then no one knows who I am. Am, like that's awesome or it could be genuine like i mean it could happen but the thing is it said i accidentally slept with my yes or my education supervisors like accidentally all right well i mean I... this is like one of those like, accident you know those people who turn up to a e with like things accidentally don't they <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 you do get you do get people who uh, accidentally put things into the wrong place like yeah you know i used to actually save a lot of images like that and then i realized well, what's the point like, there's just so many there are so many so many that come in i just you know and then i just have feeling bad because i thought well you know i don't know what's really going through their head when they do stuff like that i'm going to just stop so i just stopped saving them after a while you know i've seen all sorts of things up well, there so yeah it's funny you should mention it because i did not i did an obs and guy job as an f2 
And uh, I used to, mm. I hated it, mate. Like, I'd go to A&E and they'd be like, oh, there's the guy in the SHO. And that used to make me cringe. That I was, no, like, they'd be like, the guy in the SHO. Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm the F2 in Guiney. I'm like, I'm not the guy in the SHO. I'm the F2. This is <laughs> no, not my identity. Please. And I remember, like, seeing one of the A&E regs sometime afterwards and he still called me that. And I was like, no, I'm Kaliozzi now. <laughs> But anyway, like, I remember once I was in a, like, and they used to say, the other things that would make me flinch, like, literally flinch, would be like, oh, can you do a quick speculum? And I'm like, mate, there's, f- certainly for the women, and certainly not for me, there's no such thing as a quick speculum. Then none, then none of those are quick enough. Mm. And, um, but anyway, I remember, yeah. like, I was in A&E, and then, like, one of the A&E doctors, like, asking me, like, oh, where's the speculum? And thinking to myself, well, this mm. is interesting. Someone's asking me, I presume it's for themselves, for, you know, for them to do it on another patient. I don't want to get too, I don't ask too many questions mm. in case they ask me to do it. So I was like, oh, yeah, it's in that drawer over there. Mm. And then I was a bit like, why are they like, oh, like sniggering to themselves and stuff. And it was obviously because there was some insertion somewhere that they were going to go and assess. But I didn't get, you know, obviously they didn't prefer me those, which is fine. I'm, I was totally cool with that. I thought I'd gotten away with without doing any speculums during my entire medical training. I thought I did. And then I got into radiology and in the first week it turned out I had to do them very, very regularly for HSGs. So um, there's like a, there's a procedure where you stick the speculum and then you've got to inject some contrast and see where the fallopian tubes are, are working. And um, yeah, man, I thought I got away with it, but um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Not at all. Do you remember this? Do you remember in med school, by the way, this kind of reminded me of when we did speculums, as in they taught us how to do speculums. Do you remember this? Yeah, they actually had a special class. Yeah, I remember this because, okay, me being silly and actually turned out, I think they made a compulsory thing to turn up to. So like I turned up and it was called a PSP session or something. And I, I had a PSP. So I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, well, you know, I'm intrigued, you know, like a PSP was a PlayStation portable. <laughs> and um, I thought, well, this is, you know, I don't know what this is, but I'm happy to come check it out. And then there was these ladies that were, you know, talking to us about how to do speculums and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, okay, yeah, fair enough. And then they were like, okay, so now you're going to do this on us. And I was like, what? Mm. Excuse me? And I was so fascinated, not because like, it felt a bit weird to be kind of, I think you're doing it on, on the person that's teaching you. But I was fascinated that people were willing to do that, you know, like actually come in and almost, I, I guess, donate themselves for the greater good of medical amazing, learning. isn't it, really? And, and yeah, it is incredible. And I still think about, you know, those uh, when we do dissections and stuff, like those people who donated their, their, their actual physical beings to be dissected by medical students. And um, it's incredible, like uh, the kind of stuff that people do to try uh, and try and help people to learn. It's amazing how much kind of positive sentiment there is like towards us. And we kind of forget that, don't we? Mm. No, I was going to say that, yeah, you know, like it's really it's really nice when you have these positive sentiments of, you know, people trying to give education out. But we did actually see recently someone put a TikTok out about how to fake um, seizures. They had this really smug kind of look on their face like, well, if you turn up and you try and fake a seizure, this is how you'd spot yeah. a faker, you know, fake seizures. And I was he like... He did this really weird like laugh thing as well, which I kind of thought was kind of funny, like meh. And then I was like, whoa, but the message here is really horrible, isn't it? It's like basically just really like mm. mocking people who... I mean, I think things are going to be pretty bad if... Even if you were faking, like, it's going to be so bad. Like, if you, you've got to be in a really bad way if, if you're, you know... Mm. Um, if I don't know, like if to, to turn up to A&E for anything, really, especially now. Yeah, and I think we had someone who sort of tweeted back at this this whole situation. So you should believe everything. If someone comes in and they see they're doing a seizure or, you know, even if they look like they're pretending, you know, the things that make you think they're pretending are actually well within the remit of what a seizure can look like. And so therefore you should take it seriously. But um, when he was talking about how you should take everything, you know, a patient says seriously, it did actually remind me of something that actually went very, very wrong for me back in the day. Um, I was doing an A&E shift and this patient had come in and, um, I, you know, you kind of read through the ambulance notes and stuff and said so the patient had fallen over, hit the head and, you know, they're very, very unwell. And so I was like, okay, fine, I'll take this one. And I went and saw the patient. The patient was sitting up in their bed looking at me like, all right, mate. And I went, oh, yeah, all right. And I thought, this guy seems pretty with it for someone who'd like fallen over, hit their head. So I looked around and I was like, are you um, this person? He goes, yeah, yeah, I am, I am. And I was like, all oh, right, okay, you look pretty well for to me. So I said to him, listen, um, it says here that you fell over, hit your head. He goes, nah. I said, sorry? He goes, yeah, no, no, that didn't happen. I was like, all right, well, what happened? He goes, oh yeah, I, I did slip, but it wasn't that bad. Like, I just slipped and I'm fine now. Can I go home? I thought, there's something fishy about this guy. I don't know about this. And, and I thought, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I've got to find out. So I asked him a bit more. And then literally I was talking to him, I noticed he had a wet patch hmm. on his crotch. And I thought, well, that you must have had a seizure. I mean, come on, you had a seizure. Come on, man. So I said, listen, um, the wet patch on your on your crotch. Where did that come from? Because I had a coffee, 
and it fell on me. <laughs> That's a good one. And I said, and I thought, and I thought, all right, well, you're telling me that you you fell over and you also had a coffee and literally the coffee only fell on your crotch. He's yes. And he looked at me. He's like, Are you, do you think I'm lying? I'm like, no, no, I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying like it doesn't quite make sense here. But okay, okay, fine. I thought I need to get this guy on something. Like there's something not quite right about this guy. So then I went and checked the bloods. Bloods are fine. I thought, all right. Uh, okay, fine. You know, I went back and I did a neuro exam. I did the best fundoscopy that I could. And at the time I was getting pretty good at it. And everything was coming back normal. Everything was normal. And then, you know, his history, his memory, everything was fine. And I thought, you know, what? I've got no choice but to let this guy go. So I said, listen, listen, um, I, I, I've got to tell you, I'm going to let you go, but I, I'm a little bit worried about you because some things don't quite add up. So do you have anyone at home who's, yeah, yeah, I've got my girlfriend. She's fine. She'll look after me. Don't worry about it. Can I go home now? I was fine you can go home yeah fine so I wrote it up like I said look you know I've, I've done the safety netting told him about you know I've written a letter to the GP could you check him up in a week because I was a little bit worried that maybe you know that something wasn't quite right here and he turned on the next day seizuring because it turned out he did actually hear it said he had a subdural and he passed away and that really shook me up man I couldn't sleep for about a week because I, I felt so guilty like and you know you kind of keep replaying in your head like I took him for his word why did I take it why did I take him for his word like why did I not take this more seriously why did I and I kept thinking no but I, I checked the blood I did the examinations and you know at that point like you know you take him for the word but then how you know when someone's not telling the truth like what, what can you do what do you do in that situation so um, I don't know I, it reminded me of that when this person was talking about you should take every single patient to the, for their word and stuff which is true True. But um, I guess I should have maybe what followed my gut on that situation. Does that happen to people? Do you, can you relate to that, or does that something just? It's, it's funny that no. I mean, it's it's funny that the way you describe that kind of sensation that you sometimes get because like mm. um, I'm like talking to people who are like non-medics um, who are in mm. kind of um, a, a, a kind of a prominent or kind of a, you know difficult to get into fields and. Um, I guess sometimes the impression I get is that um, they think of doctors as having to know a lot, context, I guess, mm. but that's about it, right? Mm. So being able to like recite or mm. but, um, people just people would just come who just shock you and uh, make you realize how little you know. And certainly the more senior I've gotten, the more mm. I've realized that actually I just don't really know anything. And even though we've got these mm. kind of classic descriptions of stuff, they're classic, but they're kind of also mm. very much only half or even less than what um mm. what kind of can cover um pathology mm. and so certainly mm. like even the way that i kind of take a chest pain history now like i'm much more open-minded mm. but that's because like the number of people i've been like oh this is going this is like the, the number of times i've been like this is going to be normal and then it's not and then just mm. it just kind of like that i think that i mean it's, it's really cliched isn't it about how humbling medicine is but it, it really can be Mm. Um, and it, uh, there's hu- lots of hubris, isn't there? Like lots of like, um, oh, mm. you, you kind of feel like you know, you know it. You've got you've got to grips with it. And medicine's really good at being like, actually, you know what? Mm. No, you know you don't. Here you go. Yeah, it does take you down a bit sometimes. It actually reminds me of a line I read in a book recently, and he said um, the difference between an expert and a novice. So a novice will see um, only one possibility, only one answer, but an expert will see many. And the point is, like, the more knowledge you have, the more possibilities that you see with the problem, you know. And um, I certainly relate to, um, there was actually a scan I had, and um, I saw there was some, like, some, uh, something wrong in the brainstem. And it was a patient that had been in ITU, and it looked like cerebellar, pon- um, cerebellar myelopollin, I can't remember what it is, but CPM. And basically, it's like where, you know, the electrolytes are imbalanced, and you end up having a problem in the brainstem. And, and to, the C- to me, the CT looked like, it looked like CPM. There's no doubt about it. And the next day, the consultant came in and said, like, oh, I don't know if I'd make that call. And I was thinking, what are you talking about? I can see it right there. Like, look at it. And he goes, there's a bit of artifact. I'm not so sure. And I was so adamant. Like, look, I know what I'm talking about. This is definitely the answer. I don't know why you guys are being like that. And it fits with the clinical history. And then they did the MRI and it turned out I was right. So I felt so vindicated. I was like, you know what? I got that. I got that. And I was right. And then I saved that case. And a few years later, I was going to use it as a, t- a-, a-, a case for testing. And I looked and I thought, you know what, that's not actually a good case as I thought. I think now I would probably be a little bit less less um, confident about what I'm calling. And it's amazing, isn't it? Like back then I was so like, that is the only possibility. And as the years have gone on, I realized actually it could be, it couldn't, couldn't be. I would have, would have gone for the MRI anyway. But it's interesting like how as the years have gone on, I've realized that there's more than one possibility to that particular appearance. And it doesn't always have to be CPM. 
so yeah there is a there is a, a real credit to having some experience and you know like you said medicine does have a habit of uh humbling you doesn't it speaking of humbling experiences well i mean uh, did you mm. see well, is it humbling um partha he uh, got a letter from a gp that was pretty much along the lines of oh this patient uh, you can check your own results yourself and then he was like but like i haven't <laughs> seen that patient and i don't know what those tests are and then he was like how do i even like begin to respond to this and um, obviously like yeah. over the last couple of weeks um, we've seen just how be- beaten down by the public, by our colleagues, by just, I don't know, it's just all, mm. it's all on it. It's all on GPs, right? And then... Um, uh, they're getting a really hard time. And yeah, then, yeah. And then, like, quite are, a common GP, Claire Garada, was saying, look, I think we need to kind of mm. really just mm. uh, regroup and kind of switched off. Um, mm. Well, she said that she was taking a, a tweet, Twitter yeah. holiday, didn't she, on the most mm. recent tweet? Did you see that? Yeah, she's like, like I'm done think, for a bit because it's getting What do you think about stressful. the whole Twitter holiday thing? Because I've, I've done that. I, or literally, not some some kind of sh- shorter than others, but I have. Um, what do you think about yeah. that whole thing, like announcing, oh, I'm going to... I mean, it can be a healthy thing. I don't. I mean, the thing is, I've only recently been as active as I am on Twitter because I quite enjoy it. I quite see. I quite enjoy the ruckses, and thankfully, I've only had a, a bit of a, a minor tussle, but I don't really get too involved. But I think um, for someone like her, she's so. I mean, clearly, she's quite emotionally, inve- you know, invested in GP and the well-being of GP. And actually, there's another uh, friend of mine now uh, called Shan Shan Hussein, who's also very, very uh, emotionally um, invested in the well-being of uh, fellow doctors and GPs, uh, and. Um, you can see how like you know when you can see other people tweeting and talking about things and if someone's negative about something that you care so deeply about it can probably be a bit of a grating experience and so uh, it probably is a good thing to take a bit of a holiday um claire gardner is Ger- it claire Gerardo. gardner is that her name i can't remember Ger- gerardo mm. i've actually met her i've actually met her. do you remember last week i um i talked about getting counseling um she was the gp that actually oh, wow. saw me and she, to, to give, do the assessment and she was absolutely fantastic because like I said I didn't want to have anyone going to my head and all that kind of stuff and she was just so like she I mean she probably doesn't remember bro you should tweet her and be like look yeah I should tweet her and say look I'm, I'm with you man I really and you helped me big time because it was she was very very good at, you know just listening so look just tell me what you've got to say let's talk about it and it was like no rush no no hassle it was brilliant and then she referred me on for probably was the most, one of the most ex- important experiences of my life which was getting CBT and stuff so I do I do feel a lot for her and I do feel a lot for GPs and what they go through and um, if you got to look up you got to look after number one sometimes and if mental health is something that you're a little bit worried about then take a time out life is bigger than social media isn't it I mean just uh, I know our entire show is based on social media and we, we see all the ruckses and all that kind of stuff happen but I think uh, if it does take a mental toll on you it's probably time to um, to take a take a step back because it feels like you know doctors under the microscope sometimes don't you think what do you think when you when you read some of the stuff that's out yeah, there yeah I mean yeah. there's a, another um, account with quite a few followers Ellen Roddy uh, she's a respiratory physician I think mm-hmm. and um, she mm-hmm. she also did a post about I think it was about um, whether it was appropriate to ask a GP to just check some bloods about four weeks down the line. And I think she, she did get, she mm. got a kind of mixed response, but she also kind mm. of logged off from her Twitter for a little while. And she kind of, when she came back, she said, mm. you know, I wasn't kind of doing it to attract attention, but obviously that's kind of done the opposite. Mm. I mean, it's like, no matter what you do, I mm. guess, if you try and just disappear, then people ask, well, this person disappeared. And then if you say you mm. are, then you can't really win, can you? But she also... And I th- mm. there is something to be said, as you say, for like uh, maybe just taking a bit of a break from the noise. I think uh, that's like a wise thing mm. to do. But it did make me think, I mean, those because the ultimately what it came down to um, and what I wanted to kind of I thought would be a useful topic to talk about would be the communication, because it was mm. about, um, you know, how people phrase things in their letters. And I was just wondering, you know, because you do your mm. reports in a particular way, don't you? Yeah, I think um, one of the places I worked at. So the, the thing is, when you're writing a report, there's actually a lot more complexity to writing a report than people really realize. And the whole point is trying to communicate like the this most important findings. And I found that in one of the places I worked in, which was an oncology center, the conclusion they would actually often they would often write 
right? Unfortunately for this patient, the, the cancer has progressed. Or thankfully, and I'm delighted to say that the, the uh, cancer has regressed, right? So I thought that's quite nice. You know, you kind of give them a personality. You're showing that, you know, you're, you're happy too. We're not just, you know, right, saying what we see. So I started doing that as well. And then when I went back to my base hospital, as it were, from the oncology center, I started doing that like, oh, fortunately, there is no appendicitis. This is, you know, and stuff like that. And actually, I got called up and I said, you need to stop doing that. Is that why? Because you're showing emotion in these in these reports. People don't want they don't, people don't care what you think or your, what you emotionally feel. They want you to say what it is and move on. And um, it, I guess I guess it must depend on the relationship you have with the clinicians that you work with as a radiologist. But now that I do a lot of tele radiology, um, it does turn out that actually the less uh, personality you have in your report, the better almost. You know, the more uh, yeah, the more protocol driven you are. And I've actually one of the companies I work for now. Um, works does a lot of work for the American uh, for American they're very very from what I can tell very very protocol driven very very it's literally like meniscus looks like this cruciate ligaments like this cartilage looks like this and it just goes on and on so it's like it's almost like a robot just sort of you know reporting rather than having much in the way of like knowing that oh that's that's Imran's report that's you know through thinking it's just no no bam 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 so there's a bit of personality disappearing I don't know if that happens with notes and letters from clinics but that's definitely disappearing in radiology are they just kind anyway. of setting the landscape for you all to be replaced by robots do you think I hope so <laughs> honestly you know if I could have this is what I said before if I could have a robot that sit next to me and does half my work and have half personality only half well you know like there's a few personalities like well you know there's a few personalities out there that I wouldn't mind having next to me like you know there's a guy called Paul McCubrey or something he's written a book you check him out he's written a book on the rules of radiology he's a hilarious guy you know i noticed him years ago years ago and i noticed his tweets were just awesome and there's another guy called dr shadow oh, yeah brilliant his, his, his twitter his tweets his tweets are so awesome i've got to write a meme to get any sort of this guy just tweets something a few sentences just brilliant he just gets it on the head every time if i could like download their personality to some ai and just have a chat to them during my work day i think i have a really <laughs> nice time at work not that i don't have a nice time at work anyway but you know ai is not all that bad but do you think it, it kind of they? sucks the fun out of it though because well not the fun because that's probably not the right word but like the, isn't that kind of mm. i don't know if you're sometimes it's interesting that you mentioned like unfortunate because like sometimes say in mm. letters I've noticed that um, I've got colleagues who write I saw this delightful or this wonderful or this charming person in clinic and after a little while you're like yeah but that hmm. person says that for everyone but then the person who might be reading the letter might be like oh he thought I was delightful or something um, mm. but then some some other people might read it as maybe being a bit insincere. Um, I mean, what do you think patients would think if they saw? Because they get access to the letters now, don't they? And if someone said, "Oh, Imran was a charming gentleman," I'm like, oh, "It <laughs> yeah, could well, be charming." Ultimately, cool. that's what we want. Right? <laughs> we want them to kind of think that kind of yeah. they were their presence and the story that they had to tell was interesting. So I guess that's fair enough, then, right? Mm. Yeah, I think it must be quite nice on a on a on a letter. But you know, patients are starting to get access to the reports and stuff now. That you know, the medical reports and the radiology reports and stuff. And um, I think one of the places I work for, they actually they're self-referred patients who get scans and then they look at the report and they're encouraging us to try and write like you should go see someone at the end and put a little bit more than just this is what it is. Um, and that does make you a little bit more careful as how to explain things. Because now you're not explaining to a fellow doctor; you're explaining to yeah. a patient now. Like, well, interestingly, in in America, like they they were saying there were lots of problems because of that. Because what people were doing was they were checking up their own results on like literally before the kind of the doctor looking after them would have seen mm. it, and then kind of freaking out because mm. they do, just don't know how to contextualize stuff, and then mm. and um, mm. stuff that perhaps could be avoided with some clinical context, but they're kind of just jumping ahead and kind of worrying about stuff. Mm. So it's kind of, it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously we want to make things more accessible for the patients, but at the mm. same time, like mm. um, being able to contextualize stuff, being able to explain jargon and also knowing mm. what's kind of should be normal, what's not normal is so important. But then mm. trying to explain that in a way that doesn't sound paternalistic and patronizing is really tough, isn't it? Wait, I started getting messages, did I tell you this? I started getting messages on my social media feeds from, from just people trying to send me their scans oh, no and stuff. And, um, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll send me a photo of their scan. And I think if, there's been a fair few now. And I mean, I'll be on, I do look because I'm curious <laughs> because send me, I like scans and they, and they send it to me. And I have a quick look at the picture and it looks normal to yeah. me. But I can't yeah. say that to them. I'm not going to say, look, by the way, that's normal because we're completely in the yeah. wrong realms. But it's really interesting because they'll, be, they'll say something like, hey, uh, Doc Lasker, um, you're a radiologist, right? Here's my x-ray. It looks completely messed up to me. Um, can you oh, confirm? God. And I was like, it looks normal to me. 
And they'll do this. I've had MRIs of SI joints. I've had, you know, lumbar spines, oh, wow. all sorts of things. And they look completely, completely normal. And they're, they're telling me they've got the report and they're not happy and they want me. So there's two problems here, right? The first problem is they're not taking their own work, you know, professional that's looked at it. Uh, opinion very seriously well they're so convinced there must be something wrong that when they're getting told there's nothing wrong they're like well I need to find someone and then they go find me of all people and I, you know on, on social media I'm, I'm doing memes I'm joking I'm not I'm not doing like work yeah this is not like a, a referral service but they must be so desperate to get an opinion that they they'd be willing to you know just take a chance and message me and I've actually noticed there's a radiologist in Morocco on Fiverr He's on Fiverr, and you can pay him about a tenner. A Fiverr is like a, it's like a, a marketplace of skills. So if you if you can make a website, then you know you can put your services on Fiverr, uh, and maybe eventually you might be able to stick on your you know your your work and doing stents and stuff onto Fiverr, and people pay your Fiverr to do the work. But there's actually Ray Dollars in Morocco who's willing to look at your scans and write a full report and talk to you about your scan. And people are going for it, and we don't know who what his qualifications are, what level he's at, or anything. But you can see he's got loads of reviews. And it just shows you how desperate people are for second opinions and there will be someone, I'm not saying he's chancing it and taking advantage of people, but there will be someone out there that will take advantage of these situations. Well, like, you know, I'll give you an opinion, give me a tenner, hundred pounds, 200 pounds, and just keep going with it. And, you know, it's a dangerous place to be. Um, and these kind of the people are the ones who are going to take, get taken for mugs, unfortunately. I can tell you, as well, a pair of our sterile like. gloves is worth more than a fiver, but there you go. Um, but it's, it's interesting though, yeah, it kind of um, links us on to the, uh, threats and some colleagues have got online uh, from being reported to the GMC, and that seems to happen sometimes when Twitter mm. arguments escalate. And um, I've seen it happen. Mm. I've seen a few people leave Twitter because, like, of that kind of st- uh, recently and kind of historically because of. Mm. So, but sometimes it can be a nonsense, yeah. right? Like, I guess when pe- people shouldn't be asking for medical advice on on social media. I know, like, I appreciate, like, as you say, like, it's some people are desperate and they'll ask, but as, on the other mm. side. We shouldn't mm. be giving it to them, should we? But um, I saw one colleague who um, basically has left Twitter. It's really sad. Um, I, sh- I don't know if I should mention his name, actually, because obviously he left Twitter because he w- didn't want the attention. But he's so cool. He was the kind of mm. person where if I'd see, like, a tweet and it was, like, nonsense and, like, um, often I'd be like, oh, that's made me so angry. I need to reply. And I'd click on it and the first reply would be him. Mm. And he'd be saying exactly what I want to say. And I'd be like, ah, oh, there you go. He's there. Mm. He's on it. Fine. I stand down, stand down. And then he left mm. and I'm like, oh no, like there's this void to fill. Like there's all these angry things I now need to say <laughs> because he's not there anymore. I miss him, man. I miss him. He's a, he's a, he's yeah. a, um, oh, I can't say. But anyway, like he's so, he was so cool and I miss mm. him. But anyway, like, so what happened was he tweeted some guy who, um, it was, it was around the time where like, um, BLM had really kind of, um, was really at the forefront and there was this mm. uh, colleague a doctor who kind of tweeted some stuff which was along the like li- this kind of um, what every life matters thing you know the kind of uh, slightly mm. I-, I don't know but anyway um, mm. so like mm. he kind of responded to it and then this guy was like, mm. um, not only blocked him and then reported him to the GMC, oh, wow. like to, for a tweet wow. like that. I mean, like, I don't know. I can get it, like, if he'd like tweeted like abuse at him, but literally he just he'd, mm. he'd replied with a dissenting opinion to uh, to something. And um, it's like the biggest version of data. Exactly. He weaponized, and that's been go. weaponized as well. Mm. And it's really sad mm. because he had to like discuss, like he had, it went on from there. There was like stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, mate. It was it was not straightforward, and I can see what. I mean, this is this is what our worry has been, isn't it, from the beginning? Like you know, we we're very honest and open about the things that we see and say and and stuff. And there's always that chance, isn't it? But I guess it's you know, what is our intention and why we're we doing it? And we're trying to you know, hopefully help people who are in similar positions to us. And um, there's always going to be someone that's going to you know what? This is what we I think we spoke personally about it. Like whatever you get up to, there's always be someone that's going to be unhappy or take it the wrong way. And you're just going to have to you've got to try to remind yourself your why. What is your why? Why are you here? What are you doing it? And then hopefully, if your why is still the same, then you continue. And if your why has changed. Then it's probably time to time to bow out, don't you think? And it's for your own safety and your own mental mental well being, like um, like that GP that uh, helped me so much back back in the day. But like I think, I mean, yeah, that's that's. I mean, the why you've got to remember why you're doing it. You're right. Um, I just kind of mm. wonder, like Selva, he he did a tweet which made me kind of gave me pause, which was um, the question that he asked. It was just like one line, and it said, "Are we getting angry at the wrong people?" and 
often mm. I think that sometimes when we get into arguments on Twitter, like, mm. who are we really angry with? Mm. And someone replied to him saying something like, why are you getting angry with the patients? And he was, and Zelf was like, what? I wasn't talking about patients. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I think, I mean, yeah, yeah. and it just it kind of gave an interesting insight into how that person thought. Because when I read mm. that, I was like, oh, no, it's the government, like, you know, underfunding. But, mm. you know, it'd be interesting to know what people read that and thought, well, if you know, if you were thinking of an alternative, um, who we're actually angry with, um, what your mm. thoughts are. You know, I think like um, the thing is, like, it seems as though like people get angry at different people at different times, depending on what they're trying to to get to. Right. So, for example, like there wasn't so long ago in our recent memory that the doctors were the bad guys. You know, everyone is like champagne medics. Oh, these greedy medics, militant medics and all that kind of stuff. Right. And at that point, we were like, we're all vilified on some level because we were what were we asking for, like safer working environments and that kind of thing and a, and a pay rise. And then all of a sudden we became heroes, didn't we? People are clapping us because we're saving lives and all that. And people, you know, people are, you know, clapping Deliveroo uh, people, you know, all the key workers are getting clapped. And then what really upset me recently, I don't know if you saw this tweet, I think I sent it to you, where they were, they, I think some metropolitan police had tweeted that they decided to go and uh, focus on delivery drivers and find out like who are illegal, who are not illegal, who's got license, who got not got license. And it's, it's so quickly how people get vilified. Like, it just, you know, it's happened within months. One minute we're like, high five in these, well, we don't want to high five, we're not allowed to touch. But, you know, like uh, you're saying, thank you so much for all your work. And next minute you're vilified because, you know, of your background, where you're from and all this kind of thing. And it just, it just, it just changes so quickly. And I think that we're, we're too quick to vilify people. And in fact, there was someone that was talking about Rachel Clark. Do you remember, did you see that tweet? Maybe I sent it to you. Uh, she's a doctor. Uh, very, very, um, you know, the forefront of Twitter and She's social a media and stuff. care consultant, and, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I think someone, someone said that they've been blocked by Rachel Clark already. But if you do get, if you do find yourself getting blocked by Rachel Clark, then maybe you should think about what you're really standing for. Because actually, he must or she must have seen that Rachel Clark was pretty, you know, mostly positive. I don't really know much about Rachel Clark, but is a voice, and I, I, from what I've seen from her, generally quite a positive voice. In can I say? I mean, she. She, she, she was a journalist before she did medicine and she's written a number of different mm. articles and books and she, uh, she was she was mm. at the forefront of the kind of junior doctors campaign with the contract negotiations mm. and stuff she was quite a prominent voice I think she protested mm. and stuff and she was on the news mm. I mean so but uh, more yeah, yeah more recently news, yeah. she she does articulate and make um, to be honest she some uh, can make the one some of the more mundane or like difficult uh, parts of the job sound she kind of makes them sound kind of beautiful and she gives she has a kind of mm. a poetry to her writing but some people that seems to have rubbed up mm. the wrong way you know because they think it kind of mm. maybe um glorifies some things or maybe it kind of they feel like mm. it's maybe hamming up stuff i think that's where a lot of animosity mm. towards her comes from and also she you know i think she's made a lot of kind of ca capital whether it's kind of on a political or social but also probably mm. like she's made money out of like so and i think people resent that but um and so people mm. ask like who, who does she really represent does she even is she a voice for us or not like who appointed her yeah it's it interesting right because no i mean this person felt i mean the thing is you got blocked right i mean that seems like the ultimate like, once you got blocked you got blocked right but you know it, it, to me it feels like there's we've said this there's, there's more than one dimension to you there's more than one dimension to me right and so for someone like her i just feel like okay i don't know her at all but there's an interesting skills mix there isn't there because like, what, what we've noticed over the years especially for radiology we're very difficult you know we find it difficult to communicate but here you've got someone that can communicate and communicate remarkably well and is willing to do it and, and talk about difficult things and make it sound interesting to the general public. So that's a useful, that seems like a useful skill to me. And so, yeah, you might not agree with her completely, but, you know, to, to you know, say bad of everything about her seems a bit much. And like, okay, so for example, with the recent stuff that's going on with, you know, we, we mentioned it very briefly, Palestine, Israel, I don't want to, you know, go into that too much, but I do have friends and colleagues that will, will tweet things that I don't 100% agree with, right? And sometimes I feel like, you know, I don't really feel like watching that, I'm going to block it. But then I thought, if you did that to me, I'd be upset that you didn't listen to what I've got to say about that. So I'm not going to block you. I'm going to take, you know, I don't 100% agree, but it's cool. Like you got your opinion, I got mine, and I'm not going to block you because I think I'm better than that now. And so I think that's what, you know, when you when you block something, someone um, for these things, I do sometimes wonder whether you're doing it because you can't handle one bit of their personality and then that's, that's become the, their entire, entire personality. And I also think that you're having an echo chamber where everyone agrees with you is probably not a good thing, not a healthy mm. thing. Because then you start convincing yourself that everyone everyone thinks the same thing as you, which is clearly not true. Yeah, right? I guess. I mean, 
got I think the things, thing is, yeah. I mean, I, I hear where you're coming from. And certainly around the time of like Brexit, I remember kind of thinking to myself, mm. because everyone talked about echo chambers, didn't they? And it did make me think, oh, yeah, mm. you know, right. Uh, yeah. So I like, I went on like a mission, like actively trying to follow people, Brexiteers, because I was like, I can't understand mm. like how they even came around to that way of thinking. And I saw there were these like historians mm. for Brexit and stuff. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll like, follow them. Like, you know, mm. it's based in history and stuff. Mm. But then, what happened was I came across some people that like, there's this one guy who's a quite quite prominent Brexiteer and then he came out with some stuff on like trans rights and like he was like oh you know men are women like he just came out with some like really peculiar things and then I found myself like responding to him like arguing with him and I was like why am I even following mm. this guy again oh it's because and then I was mm. like actually you know what this is too much and then it kind mm. of ultimately came down to and it comes for me I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but there was this line from this mitigation lawyer that says that when you have argument, most of these arguments or disputes, all they do is entrench a uh, position. So people will just argue, argue, mm. argue, and they'll put their point across. And all it does is just entrench their own position, um, strengthens their own position. Mm. And so it does make, I think about that a lot when I, when uh, mm. I do get into argument. And at the end, usually I just, that is the line that comes into my head when I'm like, I'm giving up now because, and when, but when I said mm. that to my colleague who left Twitter, um, he said to me, mm. well, actually, when you're applying, you're not necessarily trying to change their view, but someone might have read their tweet mm. and then, not knowing much on the subject before me like oh yeah and then if you at least respond with some with some sense then at least they might read that mm. so you're reply you're replying mm. for them which then maybe that which mm. complicates it i guess it's a, it's a double-edged sword because i find in real life you know if you're having it thankfully i haven't had too many but i have found that um sometimes you don't agree straight away but at least you've heard each other out and so like you might at the time of the argument, you may be like, well, you know what? I don't agree with you. And you go and say your piece and they say their piece. But maybe an hour or two later or a few days later, you remember what they said. And you know what? Actually, I think I was wrong there. I think I was wrong. But the fact that you actually listened is, is good enough. And I'm not saying the, the people that, you know, you're interacting with um, are going to listen. They, maybe they are so entrenched in their opinion. But on the off chance that you've voiced your opinion and they've listened or read it at least somewhere in the back of their mind they might think to themselves but hang on maybe maybe just maybe but it depends like it sounds like the person that you're talking about has made a career on this so if they don't entrench themselves in this particular opinion then you might as well just throw your career out well, yeah. isn't it you know there is a line thing, isn't it you know? along the lines of um if if a person's kind of a, a life depends on it then you know to, to keep an mm. opinion that why would they change it but to counter that i i recently read something and they said um i reserve the right to be a hypocrite because if i don't become a hypocrite it means i haven't changed as a person and i think that's very true like i i certainly look back at the age of 23 24 uh, or even younger than that and i think I, I don't think i'm the same person i wouldn't say the same things i definitely don't feel the same things about certain people certain you know practice you know there's just so much to change so i think um you know like if someone turns but turns around to me imran you know you're a bit of a hypocrite because of what you said all those years ago I said, well i'm glad i'm a hypocrite because it means i've changed uh, if i stayed the same i don't think that's a good because no one's going to get it right you know, you can only you can only try and get better. Oh, words of wisdom from me. Sorry. I mean, like, I do think it's definitely like a mark of intelligence. Or certainly, I've got like a lot of respect for people who can change their opinion. Like, it's really refreshing, isn't it? Yeah, just open your eyes because you never you don't always get it right, and it's it's a, it's important to kind of you know sway and move and you know think about things and always ask yourself like why are you doing what you're doing and um, is this the right thing to do and it does change as years go on that does do lead us so. on this does lead us on to one of the other topics which is along the lines of well accepting being wrong right or at least like because that's part of it and um there was that thread by the american i think he's an ent surgeon um who said that um part of the problem is that patients think or assume we're superhuman they assume that we'll kind of know everything about everything and um that helps foster the belief in ourselves like if you've got that kind of adoration that expectation that um that you're going to know everything well then and then doctors end up believing that and people joke about surgeons don't they mm, god complex or something isn't it is that what they call it yeah I'd, have you ever met a patient like that because i have I, I met a patient once and i was just doing an ultrasound and he and he starts saying like you know what you're like the next best thing to god and i thought excuse <laughs> me and he and he goes, oh, you know, you're saving lives and stuff. And I thought, I think you've got, I mean, I'm putting like an ultrasound program in there. I ain't saving anyone's life here. So <laughs> I don't know about that. You might want to talk to your cardiac surgeon or your oncologist later on down the line, but not me. But um, yeah, I, I have noticed some people, I mean, some patients do feel like that. Uh, I felt like they're very far and few between, but I've definitely met doctors who feel like they are <laughs> the gift, the gift 
that doesn't stop giving. Uh, there's no point in, yeah, we've talked about this kind of people before. It's a, diff it's a difficult thing to change. Well, one thing I wanted to say that I want people to, um, certainly mm. the one lesson that I've learned kind of from experience is the liberation that there is in being able to say, I don't know. And I know that we kind of mentioned that in the last podcast, mm. but it feels so good sometimes. Mm. I think it just kind of frees you a bit. Mm. And um, when you, yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things to say, but when you do, it's amazing. But it must be a cultural thing, because I know my uncle, he's a, a big prof in Bangladesh, and uh, he was telling me that if I look like, a, if I have to look at a computer or a book, then the patient loses interest. They're like, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. You know, like he has to have it all in his head and make it look like he knows what he's talking about, even if he doesn't. Uh, I, think, I think he does know what he's talking about, but he was just saying that that's the culture, that's the culture. Like with us, you know, we're like, okay, let me just have a quick look for you. Uh, not entirely sure I'm gonna ask my colleague and stuff like that, but over there it's like, no, you, if you've got to start asking for colleagues and stuff, then you ain't, you ain't any good. So it's a different kind of pressure in different places, especially when there's a monetary, over there it's all private, isn't it? So if there's a monetary thing involved, then it's more difficult. Um, well, that, that leads us yeah. on to the another topic, which was every doctor. Did you want to talk about that? You know, so... Mm. Um, yeah, you can yeah, go for it. I, mean, I don't know too much about every doctor, but yeah, yeah let's go for it. And then I also wanted... We do have our co-host, oh, yeah. almost co-host, who has sent a message in. So oh, I do yeah, want to do, do that at some let's point. Do, so yeah, let's, every do, let's do every okay, doctor well, first. I mean, um, it's something... So it was almost a self-appointed union for doctors, although... I, so it was a bit of mm -hmm. there was a bit of a storm about it a, a little while ago when they became a bit more prominent and the kind of CEO was tweeting basically saying I need more of a following to counter I think it was like mm. Piers Morgan or someone she was like oh I need to have a bigger voice than this mm. person and now she's like a blue tick and all this kind of stuff and then more recent mm. now blue I know it's, you know it's a big yeah. deal right a big deal <laughs> uh, so mm. um, but she was tweeting recently saying something along the lines of we would like donations for um, a kind of a stunt but it was more like a way of like uh, approaching MPs and basically what it turned out was like a light show where they'd like uh, beam messages on walls and signs basically saying like Matt Hancock do this it just kind of seemed a little Good bit gracious. a little bit lame yeah. but basically um, they they got I think they they, they got over like ten thousand pounds <laughs> in donations from people for this wow. and they were wow. also you know a cynic may look back and say that they were asking for donations for kind of masks and stuff and how how useful is that? Mm. I mean, I, I can't. I can't say that I know the ins and outs of everything. But more recently, the thing that I think I've noticed that seems kind of troubling is, is that when people have been questioning them on on it, which I think people mm. have a right to do. If you're like a union and you, and you claim to represent doctors, then the pe the people should be. You should be open to scrutiny, even if you think it's unfair. You can be like, this is unfair. You know, whatever. But they were like mm. um, threatening legal action and stuff. It sounds a bit dubious. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know much about them. I, I, I do re recollect a lot of what you're talking about, the donations, and I think you, you mentioned the light thing. I do remember that. I mean, the pro the point is, you, you're not happy with the BMA. I mean, essentially, I mean, I know a lot of people aren't happy with the BMA, but it's pretty much the biggest union mm. that we have. And then you made an alternative, and I guess it gives people an, an alternative, but then I guess you're questioning what their entire motive is in the first place. I guess um, it's difficult. I mean, unless you, what I found, I mean, I don't get involved in the BMA or any of that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm happy to complain about it, right? But until you until you start getting involved, then you, you know you're just complaining about something you're not involved with, right? Like if you do want to change something, then you probably should, you know, step in and do something about it. Maybe, maybe I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that's what every doctor is like. They they're trying to actually change the game here. But putting lights up, it reminds me. Of, do you remember back in the day when FHM? Yeah. Do you remember that? Do you remember that's that Gail, magazine? Gail yeah, Gail Porter. Yeah, they put Gail, they put yeah. that you know projection of Gail Porter onto the. It's just so it just seems so cheap, and I think maybe that's kind of marred my I, opinion. No, of, like, I think you got the nail on the head. There's right. something a bit student politics about it. I think is if I had mm. to. Yeah, it's a bit like oh check us out. We've got a light yeah. on thing. Is that well? No, that's not changing anything. I, I think you could have done better with my ten thousand pounds. It's yeah. I don't I don't really know what to make of them. These days I just don't really get involved in that stuff anymore. It's too, it's yeah. too stressful, that's, isn't it? Doing the yeah. job is stressful enough. Let's yeah. get involved in hearing from Russell. So now we're going to go straight on to uh, Medic Russell's um, voice note for us. So I'm going to play it out for everyone and uh, yeah, we'll respond to what he said. Hi guys, it's your favourite uh, boiler engineer, Russell. I just got done with a busy day of uh, engineering boilers. I, I don't know what a boiler engineer does. It's not my area of expertise. Um, who am I kidding? I've been officing the casualty as per usual. Um, so I thought I would uh, chime in with a little piece on the podcast 
Um, I've noticed recently on Twitter that lots of the medical students have been doing their OSCEs sort of this week or the last couple of weeks or so. Um, and I thought I'd ask about what your uh, most memorable OSCE experiences are, um, or at least your kind of uh, biggest OSCE failures. Um, mine were both in my first year OSCE actually, so we did, we did OSCEs in first year. Um, and in my thyroid station, I examined a patient for pretibial myxomatosis, which I said very confidently. Um, obviously fucking up the term myxedema. Um, and in fact, the, the examiner was like, that's something that rabbits get, myxomatosis. <laughs> I was like, oh God, okay. Um, and then in my very next station, I was doing the cranial nerve exam and I was like, I would use this to test for colour. And instead of saying Ishihara plate, I said I'd check for a Hashimoto plate. Um, clearly mixing up my Japanese medical legends there. My absolute favourite story, however, is one of my colleagues in his third year OSCE where we had to aseptically flush a cannula um, and he got completely thrown over the equipment on the table and put the bung on his syringe of saline thinking it was some sort of cannula connector and then obviously realised that he couldn't uh, connect it to the cannula and realised he couldn't flush through it panicked and basically angled his body so the examiner couldn't see the flush That's amazing. pretended he'd flushed the cannula and chucked it in the bin then was like, yeah, yeah, that flushed really, really well. Um, and obviously the, the examiner was having absolutely done that bullshit and failed him, um, but regardless. So what kind of OSCE failures did you guys have? Um, if anything, just to prove that you can fail your OSCEs all you like, but you will make it either as a doctor um, or as a boiler engineer, whichever <laughs> you fancy in life. Thanks, guys. Lots of love. Ah, it's, oh, sultry lovely. Tones. it's sultry tones. It's sultry tones. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Uh, it's a boiler man. We'll never get, you'll never get over the boiler man story. No. Um, yeah, uh, so Oski stories. Through yeah, well, I mean, uh, I've had a few kind of uh, crash and burns, but I kind of uh, thought from like listening to him speak about how to kind of one of the things that always get me about OSCEs was kind of feeling a bit psyched out by the examiners. Like, that would always be the thing that kind of um, would mess with my mind. Like, you'd kind of be looking at them as you're talking, and they kind of give you visual cues, don't they? They're kind of like, mm. not either like nod nodding, like, yes, yes, mm. give me more, give me more. Or they're kind of like <laughs> looking at you like, what the hell are you talking about? And then, so, like, it just kind of alters your the shape of your sentence and where, like, the, the tangent of your kind of explanation is going based on their facial expressions. But actually, I realised that sometimes examiners are just kind of messing with you. And I remember, like, there was, like, um, for a neurostation, I was, like, uh, thinking, oh, what did I think they had? I think they had something really, like, bizarre. And, you know, something that I'd seen in the... There's a, um, a kind of course that I've been on. Where basically, everyone had all these kind of super, super rare diagnoses that you only ever see in PACES exams. And... Um, I remember thinking, oh my god, it's one of those, they got one of these out, oh wow, okay, I'm going to nail this, I'm going to nail this, and the examiner was just like nodding, like it was amazing, she was just nodding and nodding and nodding, and I was like, oh my god, this is, oh, I'm just smashing it, I'm smashing it, I'm smashing it, but basically, like, when I looked at the feedback at the end, I literally just about got the pass mark for that station, because I got the diagnosis completely wrong, <laughs> so, so this person was just like, oh, this, I'm going to fail this guy, and she's like nodding away, but she's thinking to herself, I want to fail this guy, so good, but the other examiner's like, oh, whoa, 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 don't fail this guy, like, you know, just like ripped it back, ripped her back from from kind of like failing me just 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 past i literally just got the pass mark but interestingly like in that same um exam i had station five where i had these like two really they basically but were like clones of my dad but like like kind of really <laughs> stern quite short asian men and they were just and they looked so angry at me uh, you know i just felt like the entire time they just looked so disappointed to me like son you could do better than this like you know and <laughs> so i was like oh, those those guys those dads of mine like uh, they're definitely going to fail me and they gave me like amazing marks and so it just goes to really show like you know at the time like afterwards I was like I'm convinced that my dads have like failed me and actually it just uh, you know ultimately but um, it kind of goes to show that all of these things like the interviews and stuff so much of it you're actually just fighting with yourself which is a bit maybe a bit philosophical mm. but um, like it just I kind of focus so much on that feedback from them and it's just complete mm. nonsense and some people uh, like in life sometimes the people who kind of like smile at you and stuff still don't have your back <laughs> that's what it yeah, really kind of silent realize. assassins aren't they silent yeah. assassins those ones 
Yeah, I mean, I I didn't do many OSCEs in the end, I and mean, we do have a version of OSCEs, I suppose, where we go through scans and they you got to try and tell them what you think. But I mean, going back to OSCEs, like was actually back in medical school, and uh, like I said, I was terrible. And what I actually found um, when I look back, there were there were some OSCEs I did well in, but didn't do so well on the writtens, and that's what got me through. And some elite exams I actually did better on the OSCE than you know the other way around, and that's what mm. eventually got me through the the entire year. And um, I think one of the OSCEs that I felt, and like I say, one, there was a few, but um, there was this, uh, okay, look, I'm probably going to give quite a lot away here. So I just, um, I, I hadn't really ever seen a baby be born properly until I had my own kid, which probably says quite a lot about the caliber <laughs> of, uh, of, <laughs> of student that I am and the doctor that I, I, I had become. But um, I remember, uh, I mean, I, I guess I did try, but I didn't try all that hard to try and see a, a baby being born. And um, I think I was just uh, kind of, I kept missing or something, just something kept getting in the way. It, it didn't happen. But um, I remember I got to the OSCE and it was like, okay, you got to deliver this baby. And I was like, ah, oh, great. Of all the things. And, you know, it's so stupid to think that this is of all the things that could turn up an OBS and Gyne OSCE. I mean, come on, what else are going to test you on, right? <laughs> yeah. But the problem was, it wasn't a problem that I'd never seen one before. I had no idea like what this model that they had was. It's like, okay, fine. You're not going to uh, give me a real human being to try and, you know, you know deliver. <laughs> yeah. so instead you've got this weird model thing, plastic thing. And that I could can deliver this baby, and I was like looking. I was like, "What is this plastic thing? This is weird." Um, so I looked at her and said, "You, uh, you want to deliver this baby? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah." And I try, you know, you try and pretend like, "Yeah, I've done this loads of times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no worries." Yeah. And then I kind of, I kind of had the head, and I kind of pulled it out, and then I was like, "Okay, well, that's kind of done." And I put it to the side. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked at her and I must I think my elbow must have hit it and it fell on the floor I wouldn't do that I wouldn't do that in real life obviously I mean you know this is just a this is just a, a doll and she looked at me and was like oh my god and I was like okay sorry and I picked it up and I was like and I kind of tried to pretend that I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to look after this baby like, I'm sorry I'm sorry and I put it back down I just do you want to finish the, the rest of the deliverance I like, what do you mean I just delivered well, I mean it went on the floor but what else do you want to deliver? <laughs> she goes, do you want to finish this, please? Is that finish, finish what? Because I was so distracted. I was like, what, what are you talking about? He goes, you know, finish the delivery. I was like, baby's oh, no. out. I, are we talking the same? And he says, placenta. I was like, oh, no. What? <laughs> oh. Did you say that? He said, what? Yeah, what? I really was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I looked and there was these two, you know, two, two bits of like cotton or something yeah. still going inside the model. I thought, all right, um... I guess I should do this pretty gently, shouldn't I? <laughs> so I just tugging at it and tugging at it, and it came out, and there's you know, big flat thing came. Out, I was like, look at that! <laughs> you made a placenta out of cloth. That's amazing. And then I thought, this is not amazing. I felt, and I just put it down. I was like, all right, just um, yeah, just fail me. It's all right. Let's uh, move on. Oh. So yeah, I've had, I've got plenty more of those. Uh, anyway, oh, that, that was a terrible, terrible situation, and um, they're gone. Well, I mean, like, I had an experience as a medical student where um, this lady just like took it upon it. So her partner was there, right? But she mm. took it on a, she like took particular like umbrage to me, like not in a mm. kind of isn't a weird way. Like she just started to get like you know she's obviously just in the throes of labour and there were lots mm. of hormones and emotions, but she seemed to like really fixate on me. Like at one point she's like, if you get a girl pregnant, I'm going to cut your balls off like literally she said that to me and i'm like mate your, your husband's next to you and he's the person who's done this like, i'm just i'm just watching like why are you shouting at me but she was literally she was shouting and then i remember like it was it was horrible i was like oh my god like how do like I was, in the entire time i was like shaking my head like how do how does how do women do this why why would you do this and she's like on all fours and i remember she's like bra and, like i remember thinking like she's braying like a cow like what's going on oh, but the no. thing that i remember that the, the, the most horrified bit was when the baby's head came and yeah. also at the same time poo is coming right and this is just Aww. you know no, like everyone will say everyone jokes about it, don't they or like people mm. poo themselves and whatever mm. but like i just remember just like watching with like abject horror as the baby's head's coming out and poo's coming out and i'm like oh she's <laughs> and because she was on her hands and knees like she was the poo was going to drop to the baby's head so the entire time i'm like watching like i'm watching poo come out and i'm like poo's gonna go in the baby's head poo's gonna go in the baby's head why is <laughs> why, am i am i am i the only person who thinks that this is gonna happen and just, <laughs> <laughs> I need to intervene. <laughs> I need to get involved. And like, it was just amazing. The midwife just came in and with this flourish, went shh, like this, and then just whipped the poo like with one swipe, <laughs> like with this like bit of tissue. And then it was gone. It was amazing. I was like, like completely nonchalant. And you know, nobody would ever know that poo was literally like millimeters away from touching that baby's head. Oh, it was amazing. That's but brilliant. It's so surreal. It's, it's, so surreal. It's times like that. Like, you know, actually, I was um, a fellow and uh, we were going through an orthopedic um, 
MDT. Mm. And um, the orthopod was talking about, you know, you've got a tibial tunnel where they put the, the anterior cruciate ligament, you know, graft through. And he was saying that this particular graft was quite loose. And then he was like, but then I was sitting there, you know, listening to, you know, all this stuff about how they did the uh, the ACL graft. And, all this. and they went, I said, yeah, this lady is particularly loose. This lady is very, very loose, yeah. And then they're, both, they're all talking to the very serious. Like, well, how loose is she? It's very loose, honestly. Like, it just slipped in. And it was like, like nothing you've ever seen before, mate, honestly. And they were talking to each other. And I thought, I don't know how long I could keep quiet for. <laughs> And then, and I think I think I was sniggering in the back of the room, and they just kept going on about this looseness and how you know certain people can be very more loose than others. <laughs> and then I, I couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't take it anymore. I, thought, I know I'm like close to I'm more than thirty years old, but it's at some point so I can't take any more of this. And I just started laughing. And thankfully for me, the other consultant. Who I was a fellow of, so I cracking up too. No, I'm glad God, you start yeah. laughing because oh, I couldn't laugh. help myself either. Yeah, so all started, and the orthopods for once were like, "What, what are you people laugh? laughing about? <laughs> what? They went in on like, the joke. Oh, what yeah, a I was surprise. like, come on, think about it. And I explained, <laughs> and they went, and they looked at us, were like, "You're really mature. Yeah, oh, for God's thought, sake. Come on, man, you're orthopods. Yeah, you got to know. It's, it's, it's pretty bad when the orthopods are yeah. <laughs> calling you out for being immature. Though, yeah, right? exactly, exactly. Yeah, it was really, really funny. Oh, what a crazy week, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Anyway, but I'm we're going to sure end it. Yes. We're going to end it with something strong. We're going to end it so strong. Yeah, yeah. We have a real, real treat for everyone. Um, we have, you know, I think Thrusha, how did this happen? So you were talking on Twitter uh, because we were talking about the whole <laughs> grinder thing, and people were saying you're not very cool, you're a bit old, and you said like, no, I'm, cool. I'm cool. I, I drop bars. Yeah, oh, yeah. oh no, yeah, no, yeah. no, let's not oversell this because I, I, I fully admit that I'm not cool. I've not been cool for at least, I don't know, for like 30, more than 30 <laughs> years. In fact, I don't think I ever was cool. Maybe I was cool when I was a bit, anyway. But like, yeah, so <laughs> when I was a kid though, I really, I'd want, didn't everyone want to be like an MC when you're in the teens? I certainly did. I still am, I still am. But anyway, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of, yeah. So, but the thing was, is that <laughs> I was so uncool that I knew that if my mum found out, she'd probably beat me. So I like, used to write down like lyrics in a book and I wrote poetry. So if she found it, I'd be like, oh, no, no, it's poetry. So like, as if that would be better. But, um, and so yeah, I used to write lyrics. Um, and then were terrible and I remember like when I find someone to go out with me when I had a girlfriend I used to read them down to her over the fit like I used to try and wrap them a little bit oh, oh my god, god. Yeah, oh yeah. my god Drusha. wow yeah. anyway so things have moved on a bit you did you did actually put down some cardiology bars Basically. you, you wrote yeah, down yeah. some cardiology bars and it turns out my cousin is an MC so I sent those bars across to my cousin and he he gave us a real gift which we're now going to give to everyone so um so without I'd... much further ado thank you everyone for listening thank you so much for being part of this journey thank you so much for you know listening to rabbit on so much and um I just unbelievable the number of downloads that we're getting on this show and the messages that we're getting in and for everyone out there here's a little treat let's call it the cardiology rap with cardiology bars what do you want to call this this uh, is yours Trisha. uh cardiology beats Cardiology Beats. Okay, so here we go. Cardiology Beats on behalf of MC Snipe I will put a link to his um, profiles on and he is open to more raps if you are wondering, wanting more, uh, you know, just um, feel free to find him. So here we go. Enjoy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Come on. Right now you're listening to the sounds of two medics and one mic. Shouts out Dr. Therusha with the man. Bar skills that's medically ill. Dr. Lasker with another podcast spectacular coming at ya. Are you ready for this one? Let's go. I'm a cardiology SPR with special interest within intervention. If you wanna show me an ECG, yo, fax it to my extension. Serial troponins taking them, no longer phasing me. But med regs nearly drove me crazy. I love the donuts glazing feel. Baked goods, I got love for you still. You get a chest pain, yeah, you call me. If your LAD is tight, I'll support G. But if you use the word comportment, get ready for for a fight, why? Two medics and a mic. <laughs> yeah. You better realize these OGs are saving lives. Once again, two medics and a mic. Shouts out to Dr. Therusha, shouts out to Dr. Laska. Hang tight, me, Dr. Snipes. I'm out.